following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the Big Old Show, episode 782 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined by your host, the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Elizabeth Page. We are a little off schedule because of the State of the Union, but we are getting back on track. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we we host a show that is about the news, mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, we got to roll with the punches. Yes, very important. So that that is what we do. Yeah, speaking of rolling with the punches, you are, well, we are starting to adjust to being in D.C. It took a little while, but now we are starting to explore the neighborhood, go out and about. Explore all kinds of neighborhoods. Hoof it over to wherever we want to go. You, you do realize, you probably do realize we got gas today for the first time in over a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When in California, we were getting gas once, once a week. A week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes more than once every seven days. Yeah. Well, driving here is not easy. I haven't how, driven here yet. I was going to say, how how do, how do you know? But it seems very stressful. <laughs> Just as a passenger, it's stressful. Well, that might be based on me, and not scary. based on... No, I think it's the general environment and yeah, surroundings. Yeah. But everything is difficult when you have a car. I mean, parking is difficult. Weaving around... People that decide to just double park in a lane is difficult. And then leave their car. Yeah. Uh, there's there's many things about driving in the city that are not ideal. So it is often easier to just walk. And we I think we've been having fun doing that, exploring For our, sure. Our I mean, we got and, up this morning and went and walked and got coffee and had 10,000 steps before noon. Yeah. Because we are those people <laughs> who have Fitbits yeah. and track our steps. Well, it... It helps to be encouraged to move in your daily life, right? Yeah, I'm just saying we're those fucking nerds. That's what I'm saying. We are indeed. Absolutely those nerds. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. I'm a nerdy fucking turd about certain things. According to my Fitbit, my heart rate is moving into the good range now. You are like... The, the what's the opposite of like when you tap on a mic is this thing on yeah that your fitbit was doing that to you yeah yeah like, are, are you are you are okay, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't it wasn't rated poor but it certainly was not good and now it is right on the cusp of of being good and so you, i'm excited about that you peloton your dick off you're you're riding that goddamn bike i mean you're riding it nowhere yeah but you're on it a lot yeah, I used to be someone who never exercised and didn't even like to sweat. 
like uh, no thank you sedentary yes but now partially because there's an instructor on there that i really like cody he's very funny and makes me laugh and you know when he like a prince song comes on and he's like only prince could say let's get to ramming and make it sound sexy and then i'm <laughs> like doing a spit take it makes me forget yeah, that i'm working out for sure i mean if if i was to ride more yeah. i would i would ride with cody rigsby yeah very yeah. very funny so we got a big show yeah we got some voicemails we're going to get to. We're going to do that first, but um, the world is is a is a topsy turvy place right now. The 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 heaviness that we felt the other day, it kind of continues. But you know, I think uh, people are heartened by the by the pushback from the Ukrainian situation by the Ukrainian people, mm-hmm. and it, you know, I think it's it's heartwarming for people. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this today, but I, I I do, since I'm talking about it, want to prepare people for what I think will be bad times are coming. I think I've been reading a lot of, of people who have become international relations experts on Twitter overnight, shockingly, and they're acting like uh, Putin's done for. Oh, this is over. No, it's not. In fact, it's going to get more horrific and more violent and there's going to be a lot more civilian casualties and catastrophes come our way. So, you know, gird yourselves for the the, the inevitability of that, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, we're going to get to these voicemails, but I would like to invite you to call in 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, this is Trucker Brad, and I'm driving, but I just want to take one quick minute here, not even that long, to agree with whoever said it first that Amy Coney Barrett was just like Carrie, Stephen King's Carrie in that scene, like she was about to shutter all the doors and (laughs) burn everybody in hell. That's what I thought when I looked at that that seven-second clip of her you know staring and having that furled eyebrow look at him oh but i'm glad she didn't do that because then you know that would have been really sad anyways love the show britney's the best part bye love the show britney's the best part bye so I guess that's you for the win there. No, not necessarily. <laughs> it's just the only one I'm going to play oh. that just happens to agree with me. Oh, <laughs> got it. <laughs> she did. Now that Brad mentions it, Amy Coney Barrett definitely had some sissy spacek. Sp- spacek? Spacek? How do you have... Sissy space. Well, now... I- <laughs> Now I'm being influenced by you. So. Oh, that's so great. She definitely had some Carrie vibes. Like the the shuddering. I mean, that scene is iconic mm-hmm. and and not hilarious. It's But yeah, there there was a little bit of that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Brad. Drive safe. Can't at all be related to how Brad feels about Amy Coney Barrett at all. Come on. <laughs> Anyway, um, here is a call about Ukraine. Hey, guys, it's Carissa. Um, I uh, have been watching a lot of the Ukraine coverage and actually 
subscribe to like Ukrainian television on um, on YouTube. The UA UA is the name of the so it's like RT, but Ukrainian. <laughs> anyway, um, I I just wanted to say like I, I'm, the company that I work for um, has been really awesome. We do have engineers in Ukraine, all over Eastern Europe, and um, they're giving us daily updates via like Slack messaging, like you know what they're doing. They're providing absolutely everything that, that if a team member needs something, there's no questions asked. They, they've like, like a metified like funds, like if they need part of their check or they need to get the poll in or whatever. So, you know, like I am really happy that, you know, these people that I never met before because, you know, but I have such an affinity for my other, my other team members and stuff. And, um, you know, I'm just really glad that I work for a company that's really doing what it can to take care, care of the people. And I know a lot of people can't leave, uh, but that's a nice little bright spot, uh, at least for me. It makes, you know, I love my job as it is, but it just makes going there better. Of course, I hope everything, fuck, fuck Russia. I mean, it's just fucking Putin, man. Uh, anyway, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Uh, as usual, this was like a rambling message, but... You guys are used to that from me by now. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. We do indeed love the rambling messages from Carissa. Yes. And I, I think it is great to, to work for a company that you feel good about. Oh, yeah. I mean. Essential for mental health. Especially related to a global phenomenon that's going on right now. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's fantastic. We're seeing all kinds of coverage um, of people refugees fleeing it's really kind of showed we don't have the clip of it but there's a clip of several reporters just being pretty racist about well these are blonde-eyed blue-eyed people like oh Uh, they're really important yeah they're not those muslims in afghanistan i mean it's they don't say that specifically but that's what they're communicating yeah and the other thing i've seen that i don't not enough there's not enough coverage of it is like Black folks who live in Ukraine mm-hmm. are trying to get out alongside their Ukrainian counterparts right. and being rejected from trains and shit. Yeah. There's all this talk about how the the Ukrainian spirit is their greatest weapon. Like these CNN promos and shit. Mm-hmm. And there's nary a word spoken about some pretty horrible racist bullshit in the in the effort to get out of the country and get to safety. Mm-hmm. So I, I wish they would cover all of it. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think there's a failure to address the racist element of that? I think it's, it's difficult for people to hold conflicting ideas at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to communicate that two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. So... For instance, you can say, yeah, it's terrible what's going on. And they are showing um, uh, an insurmountable, you know, th- this, th- th- they're, they're, they're demonstrating resolve in the face of, of some pretty terrible shit. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But also, there are, there are moments and there's video. I mean, I've seen many, many videos. It's not just like a one-off. I've seen a lot of it where people are desperate trying to get onto the train, trying to get onto the bus, and they're black, and they're being shoved away. Mm-hmm. So CNN, I think it's, 
it it muddles the the narrative that they want to talk about, which is which which is worthy of talking about that that they are being they are under attack and they're showing great resolve, but also say yeah, but there's also some bad shit. Yeah. Some racist trash going on yeah. that also needs to be talked about because those people also need help desperately. Right. The the black people who are being oppressed and being um, shunned mm-hmm. at, at transfer points. Yeah, it definitely seems like a missed opportunity to highlight that issue and help improve the situation yeah. Yeah, for, for people sure. that are for struggling. Sure. So thanks for the call, Chrissy. We appreciate it very much. Uh, moving on, we've been talking a lot about the the don't say gay bill in Florida, about this uh, trans abuse issue in Texas where they're trying to, to not only dehumanize trans people, but also um, threaten their parents and their families with investigation and prosecution, labeling trans-affirming care, health care, labeling it uh, child abuse. Mm-hmm. And we got a call related to, to the, the, this ongoing conversation that we're having. Hey, Jesse, Brittany, my name is Kristen, a frequent caller. I, uh, I have really thought and thought to try to carefully word as eloquently and not long-winded as I could uh, regarding this absolute ridiculous transphobic uh, bullshit continued hatred that Abbott has uh, against kids. <laughs> it's amazing in one foul swoop. You want to ban abortions and ban women's access to them because it's protect the children, but then you are you are forcing kids to be outed and you are criminalizing protecting your kids um, I am the mother I am the mother of a tr- trans child um, he's 18 now but began his transition when he was 16 and I didn't accept it but I didn't do very well when he first came out and he's such an amazing young man that he gave me a second chance. I got a mulligan and not a lot of parents get that. And to think, according to the Trevor Project, every 45 seconds, a member of the LGBTQIA community attempts suicide. And what Greg Abbott is doing is he's going to get kids killed because if you can't come out to your parents and start this desperately needed medical transition, I know my son couldn't have waited the two years before he got his top surgery and started testosterone. He couldn't have waited. I just... How many dead bodies are going to be enough for this asshole? How many? Because that's what's going to happen. These kids are going to... They're going to kill themselves because they don't want to get their parents in trouble. I just... How many? 
I mean, I, I think that says it all right there. Yeah, it's an apropos question. Mm-hmm. And it really, for me, it really puts in perspective exactly what the stakes are here. Mm-hmm. And what the Republican agenda is. Right. Because they otherize to the point where there is an accumulation of, of death. It is a life and death issue here. Mm-hmm. And no matter to Greg Abbott, this is this is politics. This is stirring up the base. This is just another culture war. But it's a culture war. This isn't kneeling for the national anthem. I mean, the issue surrounding kneeling for the national anthem is life and death, what they're protesting. But ginning up controversy or or passions inflamed over Colin Kaepernick kneeling, there are no lives at stake over that. And there are lives at stake over this. Mm -hmm. Continuing to foster uh, stigma, hatred, other uh, otherizing trans kids we're talking about fucking children mm-hmm. well just gross and the child abuse investigations have already started oh yeah and i i think that's what's scary is the actions have already been taken right away and there was a uh, a state court in texas on wednesday that temporarily stopped a child abuse investigation of a family that is providing medical treatment for for their transgender 16 year old and Although they halted that child abuse investigation for that family, other investigations have been allowed to continue. So this is the difficult thing is there's going to likely be some families that can get help from the American Civil Liberties Union, but some families may not be able to get that help right away and the investigation is already underway and this is this is damage to families. Yeah. And like Kristen said there's going to be kids that are upset about how it's affecting their family yeah how many dead kids are enough greg abbott it it is the question thank you Kristen, for the call oh thank you so much for, we, for we sharing appreciate your, story. your perspective uh very much yeah we are i the other element to this that is so fucking pernicious and scary and gross i'm just at the lack of words is is fostering an environment where you're ratting out your neighbors where you're informing on your family it is very you know soviet russia type of bullshit it's it's nazi germany type of like a purity test for which shouldn't be a shock that there's a purity test going on with this purity culture nonsense. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, I mean, for, for me, it just seems un-American. Mm-hmm. And it's not a snitches get stitches kind of a thing, but it's, you know, what books are what books do they have in their house? I've got to call and I've got to to alert the authorities mm-hmm. for, for a, for for an ideology that is supposed to be small government, limited government, mm-hmm. they sure are 
wanting people to reluct. You got to tell the government what's going on so we can investigate parents and mm-hmm. what the fuck. Yeah, it seems very at odds with freedom to live your life as you choose. Which free, which what this does, it really just lays that bare that that's not what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. They're in- interested in oppression. Oh, that's weird. We don't understand. We're scared. It's the same. It's the same age old bullshit of just fucking hypocrisy on full display. Mm-hmm. Well, and also the way that you phrased all of that, it makes sense that they are the ones uh, championing Putin right now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Fucking absolutely. Of course. Mm-hmm. Anyway, again, thank you for the call, Kristen. We appreciate it very much. If you too would like to sound off, we'd love to hear from you. 657 464. 7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. I doubt it is a listener supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Jesus G. Jesus G. Roy H. Roy H. Diamanto G.Y. Diamanto G.Y. Alvaro G. Alvaro G. And Lawrence H. Lawrence H. And then we would like to give a shout out to Daniel A. Daniel A. For doubling the pledge. Fantastic. We've seen several photos come in of the magnets. We are so happy that you are all receiving them because remember, we want you to receive them. So if you have not received yeah, yours, yeah. please let us know. Please send us a message with your address and we will be sure to get that out. Henry and Austin finally got his. Yes. So, what I love about that picture that he posted on Twitter, by the way, is yeah. there, there's a collection of different stickers that we've sent out over the years <laughs> yeah. that he has displayed in his shop. Yes. Yeah, so great. Yes, thank you so much for that. And just thank you for your support. We couldn't do this without you. We are looking forward to what's to come. We have two interviews scheduled that we're really excited about. We're going to start doing that more consistently. Uh, Two people that I'm really excited about that wrote really fantastic books, and I think the audience will enjoy hearing from them. So thank you for your support. It allows us to do things like that that we feel are important, and we could not do it without you. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's let, let's. It's in the spirit of the call from Kristen. Uh, let's let's talk about some of this nonsense that's going on, um, and the activism surrounding it. Yeah. So in Florida right now, the Florida House approved the "Don't Say Gay" bill, as it's being called, and it's going to appear before the Senate for a vote on Monday next week. And in the meantime, there have been students around Florida that have been organizing protests at Mm -hmm. their schools, things like walkouts. And we are going to be talking about one student in particular, although this clip that we're going to play talks about a few different students, but one student in particular ended up actually getting suspended for organizing a walkout. 
Don't say gay bill under consideration by Florida lawmakers catching the attention of high school students across the first coast. The bill, which opponents say uh, would restrict discussions about sexual orientation and gender identity in elementary schools, would get a second reading in the Senate before a full vote. It already passed the House. On your sides, Robert Bradfield spoke with students at Orange Park High School who participated today in a walkout. They believe that this bill does not bring liberty and justice for all. Children need a safe space away from their parents. Cadence Miller spearheading a walkout at Orange Park High School, opposing Florida's Don't Say Gay bill. I do support parents being involved. I do not support the lack of education in children. The bill, which has already passed the House, says classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through third grade. An amendment to change sexual orientation or gender identity with the words human sexuality or sexual activity failed. These students say the bill will prevent children from speaking honestly and openly about who they are. If you're afraid, don't be that that we're all here to support you and that we can help. Sponsors of the companion bill in the Senate believe conversations about sexual orientation should start and remain in the home. Parents need to be in charge. Students are not wards of the state. Most of these students, all of them belong to families. And we want to recenter that. But Miller and others believe schools should be an outlet for self-discovery, being able to talk to peers and their teachers in an environment away from home where they may feel uncomfortable doing so. A lot of children don't have supportive family. A lot of children don't have access to that education. And they grow up thinking that they are inherently wrong or that they are misshapen or malformed mentally for some reason, and I don't think that that's okay. Robert Bradfield, First Coast News, on your side. We are following some more breaking... No, we're not. (laughs) We are not following any breaking. Yeah, so I love how these students are so passionate. And I mean, I cannot imagine if a news reporter put a microphone in my face and asked me to talk about something when I was in high school. (laughs) High school? How about now? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It It would not be what you heard there, which was emotionally moving. Yeah. And very convincing, I think. I appreciate that so many kids across Florida are getting out there showing their activist spirit and organizing these walkouts. It is unfortunate, though, like we talked about this one high school junior, Jack P, got suspended after organizing a walkout. Yeah. Suspended from school for organizing a walkout to protest the Don't Say Gay Bill. It is, again, it's, oh, you're the ringleader, you're going to be punished. It. The whole concept of this is just fucking strange in 2022. Because what if what if a kid has two dads or two moms? Mm-hmm. Is that not to be spoken about, but it's okay to talk about the, the kids who have mom and a dad? Mm-hmm. It just, it, it is the normative, this is the standard, nothing else can be talked about. It's just like the idiots who say, be gay all you want. Just don't put it in my face. I don't want to see you kissing. It's well, be gay all you want is not just 
Fucking bigots, man. Well, and it, 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 Florida and Texas leading the way. Well, and this student uh, claimed that the principal approached him, pulled him aside, and voiced opposition over 200 pride flags that the student had purchased on his own and brought to school and was distributing. And that the principal told him he was not allowed to distribute the flags and questioned the intention of distributing the flags. I mean, what does it matter? He's bringing flags to school. He's distributing them. He he bought them. Right. It just no freedom of speech, no freedom of, of association. I'm sure they would it, be fine if it was American flags. Yeah, it's not exactly. It's yeah. also not an illegal thing. It's not like he's he's not distributing switchblades. It's a pride flag. Yeah. You fucking bigot. Yeah. So things are not good in in Florida for this reason, but also related to the abortion legislation that is being debated there right now, including a 15-week ban on abortions with no exception for incest or rape. Tallahassee now, where a controversial abortion bill could soon be voted on in the Senate. Lawmakers debated the bill today, and a state senator revealed something very heartbreaking. Local 10's Glenna Milberg is live at the state capitol for us tonight with much more. Glenna. Calvin, in the last few hours, it was all about Democrats trying to amend this bill. All 13 of those tries did fail. Looks like the vote will be tomorrow. Again, a foregone conclusion, just like in the House two weeks ago. So much deja vu there about what happened there, especially these lawmakers, these women, who really bared some very personal and painful experiences, hoping to sway the unswayable. When I was a young teen, not much older than 13, my abuser, who was a woman, took me to a friend's house. This time, like last time, it was painful and got personal. There, I was drugged, I was put in a room, and I was raped by multiple men. I've not talked about this experience to anyone. I didn't become pregnant, but many young girls aren't so lucky. Different chamber, same debate. We have babies that are being born today, 21 weeks in one day, and they're thriving. The term baby was just used to talk about the fetus that the mother is carrying. Read the First Amendment. Thirteen amendments, one fewer than in the House, again, all by Democrats. The financial burdens of pregnancy fall solely on the woman. An amendment to remove the two-doctor requirement. Again, all failed, even the one with some behind-the-scenes Republican support to make exceptions for victims of sex crimes. And the question we're asking ourselves is when does that baby in the womb have the same rights as the mother that's carrying it. Despite hours of debate, personal stories and pleas, pro-life and pro-choice are not finding compromise here. No doubt Florida's most restrictive abortion law in state history, rolling back limits on terminating a pregnancy from 24 to 15 weeks, will pass the Senate on party lines, just like it did in the House two weeks ago today. The question is, how long will it take? So we've been calling this the abortion bill. The bill is actually called Reducing Infant and Fetal Mortality. And on both sides of the aisle, they're acknowledging there are really good parts of this bill. There's funding and program and policy for helping the health of mothers and babies. But there was no talk of that today at all. All the talk was about losing choice at 15 weeks of pregnancy. I'm Glenna Milberg, live in Tallahassee tonight, local 10 so it passed, and it's headed to Governor Ron DeSantis's desk. 
and it's likely to take effect July 1st, 2022. And they mentioned there that the exception for cases of rape, incest, or human trafficking was not included. And as the measure made its way through uh, the legislature, Republicans voted at least five times against allowing exceptions for rape, incest, or human trafficking. So there were multiple points at which they were given the opportunity to do that, and they said no. They actually literally debated it and came to the conclusion that if you are raped and become pregnant, abortion after their arbitrary time limit, not allowed. Illegal. Now, this is going to go into effect in, in July, and we're expecting a decision by the Supreme Court on the on Roe. Mm-hmm. In June. This could be scuttled because they could introduce a new bill, outlawing abortion altogether. And very likely, Florida will be one of the many states when, again, we want you to prepare you guys for the eventuality of the Supreme Court Rolling back the clock to 1973 in the United States of America in 2022. Well, and one thing I want to address is how maddening it is to hear people that feel the only thing that will convince someone is to relive their trauma and to disclose the horrific things that they have been through in an attempt to try to save other people from going through terrible things. Like that woman who was clearly... Uh, distraught. And then it just falls on deaf ears. Right, they don't care. I mean, you put yourself through reliving your trauma in order to try to convince people, this is the humanity that I want you to see. This is a human issue. This is what someone will go through because of the choice that you're making today. This is the possibility. And they don't listen. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. And I don't know how you listen to someone describe these stories and that doesn't move you. I don't, I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I don't. And again, again, let's talk about the hypocrisy of this is they're forcing these babies, they're calling them, to develop, become actual babies and be born. Mm-hmm. And then you're on your own, lady. Sorry that you got raped. Sorry that we forced you to have the baby. Now you're on your own. And we're going to make it very difficult, if not impossible, to get public benefits. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's on you. Yeah. And then those stories those stories also fall on deaf ears. Yeah. Fucking gross. Well, and that's the big question for people that are supporting these efforts to overturn Roe v. Wade is, so what are you going to put in place then to support women who are now in a position to have a child yeah. that maybe they can't afford to have because finances is the number one reason that people cite for getting abortions. So what what is it that you're going to be providing in terms of government assistance? What legislation are you going to be supporting right. and putting into place to support people who are no longer able to get needed medical care in the form of abortion when they can't, for example, afford to have a child? Yeah. What are you going to do to support them? What are you going to do to support that maternal and fetal outcome that you care so much about that baby it's a baby it's a baby it's a baby it's so important it's so important it's a baby well once it's a baby are you gonna support it then Mm -hmm. 
Great question. In fact, when we go out, because we're going to go out when the Supreme Court does make its its uh, decision, mm-hmm. and we're going to go out and interview these these pro-baby people, anti-abortion people, and that's a great question right there is number one what I want to hear. And I think we should get the audience in on this. Yeah. If you have questions that you'd like asked in... um. In a way that, you know, it puts people on the fucking spot. Yeah. Send those in because we're going to be out there in just three months or so. Yeah. And we're going to be asking these questions. Mm-hmm. Again, 657-464-7609. You can email those questions or a voice memo to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Thanks, you guys, so much. We appreciate you. Uh, we are growing this operation and... <laughs> It is, um, I'm excited about the future come, uh, come June to be able to, to mix it up with these assholes. So thanks very much. Stalemocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So some of the news that's been going on this week revolves around Donald Trump. January 6th committee. The, the, the committee is uh, have, has interviewed like 550 people now. Getting it done. And my main complaint, and I've had it for months, and I've screamed about it on YouTube. You had a complaint? <laughs> wow. That's prick shit, right? That's is prick shit. To ask, where's Merrick Garland? Where's the Justice Department? They talk about, I mean, it is called the Department of justice yes and when the former president the ex-president donald trump committed crimes and i don't mean like oh it's a crime but it's it's covered under uh, his like for instance people email me all the time and say he is an accessory to murder if not outright murder of hundreds of thousands of americans because of his botched uh covid response mm-hmm. I, I would agree in spirit with that but we elected an asshole who did his job poorly, but it was through the, the, the performance of his job that that he did that. Mm-hmm. And in our system, that's you can't you're not going to be able to prosecute a leader who just does a bad job. Mm-hmm. But obstructing justice is not part of his job. And there cases there were multiple instances of it that were outlined in the Mueller report. Finally, though. The inaction of Merrick Garland is starting to get noticed and talked about in a very politician way by people on the Hill. In this case, Adam Schiff, who's kind of asking questions about, look, yeah, we can, we can forward a criminal complaint on to the Justice Department, but, you know, they don't have to wait for us. Yes. They should be doing this without our final take on the matter with our investigating of the insurrection. I'm still trying to understand, and I want our audience to understand again, the January 6th committee is not engaged. uh, This is not a criminal investigation, but it's it's very much about referring, uh, mentioning in this filing, and then seeing that that any criminal investigation that does take place has access to all the information that your committee uh, is, is coming across in your work. Well, I I would put it this way. The Justice Department uh, has the obligation to determine if a crime is committed and whether anyone, including the former president, should be prosecuted. 
That's the department's job. They're not waiting for us to make a referral. That's not what the Justice Department does. Now, we may make a referral at the end of our investigation, but the Justice Department should be proceeding on its own. If there's credible evidence that the president or anyone else has committed a crime, they should be investigating it. Uh, And they shouldn't be waiting for us to do a report. They shouldn't be waiting for us to do that work. Um, But uh, they should be doing it on their own. Nevertheless, um, there are circumstances like this court filing where the issue of crime or fraud is relevant. And so we've addressed it. And at the end of the investigation, we may choose to make a criminal referral. And, and, and for all you know, uh, Congressman Schiff, the Justice Department may well be investigating this. Is that right? You know, it's possible, Judy. But uh, generally, when you convene a grand jury in a case like this, in which the witnesses before the grand jury are not bound to, to silence, um, the public finds out about it. Uh, and so even though the department doesn't talk about it, the public becomes aware of it. We don't see anything like that happening regarding certain key things. I would point to, for example, the president on the phone with the secretary of state in Georgia trying to get the secretary to find 11,780 votes that don't exist. That's a recorded conversation. There's no sign of a grand jury, federal grand jury in Atlanta, only a local district attorney's office investigation. I don't understand why that's the case. Uh, So that does concern me. And but, but talking about it openly as you are, do you think can influence course of events? Uh, I don't know, um, but I do think that there are probably many people within the Justice Department uh, who are concerned. Uh, you know, if we are to maintain the position that the rule of law applies equally to everyone, uh, then then we really need to follow through with that. And I think, Judy, if any of your viewers were on the phone with a top state official trying to get them to effectively stuff the ballot box, they would be under investigation. Uh, and I feel you know, duty bound to, to be open about that. I spent almost six years with that department. I venerate it. Um, and I think we need to uphold that idea that uh, no one is above the law, including former presidents. I think your description of this as polite politician speak is very apt because yeah. <laughs> even with uh, Judy Woodruff's question there, when she said, is is you talking about this so openly, is that going to move the needle at all? Essentially saying like, are your statements getting through? Yeah. Is the Department of Justice, is Merrick Garland hearing you when you talk about this? Do you think being so transparent in your language here is going to alert them to the fact they need to do something remains to be seen? Yeah, I'm very frustrated by it because, well, one, I, I deal with it every day and I'm talking about it a lot on YouTube. But the 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 comments that I get, there's a lot of people who are team Democrat. And so whatever happens um, in the course of, of a of a democratic uh, administration, mm-hmm. just that's they're doing everything right, and Merrick Garland, give him a chance. <laughs> well, it's been over a year, and yeah. we've heard nothing. Yeah, and I don't just mean over a year since the insurrection. I mean they could be looking into the instances of obstruction of justice. They could be looking into, like he was talking about, the conversation with Brad Raffensperger where Donald Trump said, all I need you to get is 11,781 votes, which is one more than we got. Mm -hmm. He said that with his fucking mouth. Yeah. And they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. What's it gonna, what, what 
what what crime would Donald Trump have to have committed for them? Would he actually have to stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone, mm-hmm. and then then they'll investigate? Yeah, it's it's bananas to me. And I, listen, I'm getting to the point. I do see this a, a lot of that. Merrick Garland just doesn't have the stomach for it. Maybe that's it. Maybe he is more of a judge and then weighing the consequences and weighing uh, being a jurist on, on in, in a case. Mm-hmm. Maybe, that is, maybe that is what he's good at because from what I see now, he's a bad attorney general. Mm-hmm. He's not holding criminals accountable and allowing Donald Trump... Because he's rich, because he's powerful, because he's a former president, to he's sullying the the the, the concept of equal protection under the law and mm-hmm. justice being blind. Well, it's also concerning if they don't want it to look political going after Trump, then don't they want to do it before he officially announces that he's running for president right. again? Well, that's that's I the mean, other thing is that the clock is ticking, and then then they can use that. And they're gonna, they're already gonna do that no matter what. Yeah. So it's again kind of a Joe Biden thing where, do you are they gonna are, are Republicans going to act in good faith? No, they're gonna fucking act in bad faith no matter how you act. Mm-hmm. So do what you're gonna do. Right. And we should be investigating. Fuck that. I mean, goddamn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I want to know what everybody's thinking out there. Call in and let us know what in the fuck is going on. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. It's the asshole of today. Bob Nichols. Bob Nichols. Bob Nichols. Someone you don't know who he is, very likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Definitely he, an asshole. He's the owner of Monarch Investment and Management Group of Franktown, Colorado. He's uh, th- th- This company is middle America's fastest growing landlord. And Bloomberg.com, <laughs> since it's uh, not Michael Bloomberg, there is a fantastic article about him and his company that you can find uh, t- titled Wolf of Main Street. Hmm. And we're going to play a clip here that's featured in the article, because as we know, we spent a lot of time talking about the eviction crisis during the pandemic and specifically the CDC's eviction moratorium, which was extended multiple times throughout the pandemic. At the 11th hour, it was extended multiple times. At the 11th hour, but also in the midst of the eviction moratorium, there were Companies like Monarch Investment and Management Group that were intent on finding loopholes to get around the eviction moratorium and still force people out of their homes in the midst of a pandemic. And Bob Nichols is one of these people. In fact, now that we are where we are in the pandemic, that the eviction moratorium is no longer in place, he describes the current situation that we are in as an opportunity an opportunity in his view as a landlord to make more money. Right now we're in a situation with the repeal of CDC, the restriction on building, and the fact that people are going to get back out there and start working with unemployment benefits leaving. 
we've seen rental growth increase. And just uh, a couple of days ago in the Denver Post, there was a article in the front page, rents increase rapidly in state. I crossed that out and put it country in. And uh, Chuck just sent me a report today, uh, and, and there's been a lot of reports out. The department rents are continuing upward. There's an upward trend of 13% this year across the country. And so what I call that is popping the clutch. So if you've driven a manual transition or a motorcycle, the right hand is power supply, right, or the right accelerator is power power supply. The left hand you have on the clutch, and that's power delivery. you got your hand pulled all the way in, you're going to go nowhere. But if you got your power supply all the way out and you pop the clutch, you burst forward. And that's what's going to happen in the next 12 months. We have an unprecedented opportunity, at least in my working lifetime, to really press rents. Press rents on renewals because the country is highly occupied. We're 97.5%. And so where are people going to go? They can't go anywhere. They want to be in apartments or they have to be in apartments. And we have a tremendous opportunity to press both on renewing leases for existing residents and to reset market rates, which we've reset numerous times even this year. Where are people going to go? They can't go anywhere. He literally said that. He said that on the heels of talking about how unemployment benefits are going to end. These people are trapped. We're just going to raise the rent. What are they going to do? The other thing that struck me is that it kind of dismantles this narrative that conservatives want to really talk about, which is all these landlords are just mom and pop. They're just <laughs> people who who did own an extra house and they rent it out. That's all this is. Mm-hmm. Now, while that is true, that is certainly something that happens, there is an element to this that is corporate profit-driven. This yes. guy owns multiple apartment buildings, many, many apartment buildings, Likely hundreds, maybe thousands of people rent from this guy. And he's using the the coming out of the pandemic and no longer people having any unemployment benefits and they're not being uh, an eviction moratorium as a, well, look, we can spike the rent. What are they going to do? Fuck them. Mm-hmm. Just gross. Yeah. I mean, imagine being in control of people's housing. Yeah. One of the most important needs that human beings have is to have a roof over their heads, a place where they can go that is safe, where they can reset, recharge, yeah, and continue to live their lives. And he is intent on making it a very unsafe environment where people are, I mean, I'm assuming this is someone who uses aggressive tactics. In fact, they interviewed uh, tenants that, that rent from him rent from his company and they talk about aggressive tactics that are used sure. when tenants fall behind on their rent. So this is a company that is looking at the pandemic, looking at the struggles that people have had for the past years, two years during sure. the pandemic, two yeah. plus years and thinks of that as an opportunity to increase rent because people have few options. And of course they responded to the Bloomberg Bloomberg article that was written here and in an email said that they raise rents, quote, just like other landlords. And then they pointed to a nonprofit charitable fund that uh. has been established by their company that has provided thousands of dollars in aid to tenants. 
oh, good. I'm glad that that's happening when yeah. your life philosophy is, oh, tragedy has occurred. No one has a choice. Let's raise the rents as soon as possible. Yeah, what's the difference between that and when there's a hurricane charging $100 for a bottle of water? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's profiteering. It is price gouging. It should be illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people get all up in arms about, oh, like the government can't tell me how much I can charge for the house that I own. Mm-hmm. Well, you can when it is a basic necessity of life. Yes. Having shelter. Mm-hmm. Having food. If they can say you can't charge $100 for that bottle of Aquafina, why can't they, they, they limit how much you charge for a domicile, for, a, for, for shelter for someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't like the rules of the game then don't own a bunch of property and try to rent it out because there are going to be rules in place. Mm-hmm. So Bob Nichols is absolutely asshole of today. It is a, a worthy a worthy moniker. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Taking care of biz. Good Samaritans taking in Ukrainian refugees. That is who is taking care of biz today. There are many, many news packages about this from The Guardian to CNN, where they are interviewing people that are sometimes standing for hours where refugees are coming across the border and holding up signs saying how many people they can take. Yeah, that's great. And that they can take them for a short period of time or for a long period of time and offering them a place to stay. Six Six people the shout and someone steps forward to give a family of six just arrived from Ukraine shelter, free, no time limit. The Berlin Central Railway Station, every sign a German family offering space in their own homes. Putin's war has woken something here, a desire to help, and deeper down, memories too. I'm more or less uh, a child of a refugee, so I feel obliged to do something for refugees. It's not Hitler this time, but for me, it somehow feels that what Putin does is what Hitler did before. What's amazing here is although there have been hundreds of refugees arriving, there are more than enough German families to take them in. And it's not just here. There are efforts being made right across Berlin. In a Berlin suburb, baskets of food delivered by neighbours. The Rodekus family have opened up their home. Four-year-old Alchemy already has new toys and new children to play with. For his mother and grandmother, though, the war, even here, is inescapable. My house. My house. Videos sent by friends of the damage just done to their home in Kharkiv. And Artemis' father isn't here, unable to leave Ukraine. Keep asking every time about his dad. What is he asking? Where is his dad and when he can see him? And what can you say? I don't know. I hope so. When we started reading the news, 
I don't know. We said right away we we need to take someone in to to, to give someone peace. Yes. And make Try it to safe give because it could have been us. This is how we feel. Yeah. It could have been us. And it was Tarek. He fled Syria six years ago, walked for two months to reach Germany, and now is taking this convoy to Ukraine to bring back refugees. I know what's the meaning of being. Um, like fleeing from the war. So that was also my motivation in this case, to uh, support persons who are fleeing now. So a refugee from one crisis heading to help those from another. The common thread from Syria to Ukraine, Russian aggression, uprooting so many lives. Damien Grammaticus, BBC News, Berlin. So we're seeing the worst of humanity in Putin's war. And then we are seeing the best of humanity here in this situation where people are just regular people stepping up. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's always important in stories like this to talk about the failures of institutions that could be stepping in to provide support as well. But it is nice to see that people are so moved that they will stand there and say, I will take however many people I can into my home for as long as they need to be here in order to support them as they are fleeing Putin's war. It is oftentimes how it works, though, isn't it? That Mm -hmm. the worst of humanity, the worst situations do bring out and highlight the best in people. Yeah. And it's, it it is Mm emotion-inducing. It's it's nice knowing that people are are at their, their very limits, the worst moments of their life, and that there are other people there to stand in the gap for them. And... Give them a place to live and something to eat and mm-hmm. um, a safe environment where their, their, their home isn't being shelled mm-hmm. and uh, they're not going to be murdered yeah. by the Russian military. So, Well, and Jesse, I think one thing that's important for both of us, and we talk about it a lot on the show, is luck and being able to recognize that... Like, like, the, like the man said in the package, in the news package, it could have been us. Yeah. This recognition that you are not protected from the terrible things that can happen to people in this life and that it could be you. And I think knowing that is a a potent motivator for a lot of people to get out there and do good in the world because you're not above it. And it's, it's humbling, I think, to admit that to yourself that it could be you. It could be you. And if that's, if that's the motivation that you need to get out there and do good things, then let that be the motivation. Yeah. We, uh, this isn't like a humble brag or anything, but we, the fact that I said that Uh-oh. kind of makes it a shitty thing. Here we go. <laughs> well, no, when we were, we were, we were looking to, to bring in a refugee, mm. uh, but we couldn't navigate the fucking Airbnb system mm-hmm. in, in California. We just we couldn't figure it out. It, yeah. Like the website it was a fucking mess. Yeah. So uh, it, it is nice to see that there's a situation where they're just at the border taking taking it uh, into their own hands. Yes. We're, we're dealing with this. We're going to make it happen ourselves. Yep. And it's that's just fantastic. So yep. we'd love to know what you think. Going to end it there. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Lot to talk about. Lot going on. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We would ask that you consider to support the show. For as little as two bucks a month, you can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and help support the work we do right here. We'll see you next time, guys. We love you. We appreciate you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. 
who doesn't know how to end the show. And this has been that show. I doubt it.